Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our over gloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. Welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps with your peeps, the very swollen Irene and the very concerned Katrina. How are you, girlfriend? I have, I have a lot of concerns. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm okay, but here's what I want to do before we get into talking about all the things. I, I can I describe to the audience? Can I describe to everybody what I'm what I'm looking at right now? Yeah, man, do your thing. I, I don't. Irene, you guys, is like swollen. Her entire lower lip is like four times the size that it normally is. And then her right side of her lip, upper lip is it's coming. also enlarged, but it's, it's trickling over to the midline and then through the booger gutter yeah. and then your, to the uh, other side. It, filtrum. That's called a filtrum. They're your filtrum. I like to call it the booger gutter. Um, I, I'm concerned about your face, Irene. This, this yeah. happened over the last couple of hours, like just a few hours ago. Yeah. I mean, I woke up this morning. It's been a rough, it's been a rough day. Woke up this morning, uh, to an unfortunate resignation at the office. Um, and then yesterday I could barely get out of bed because my back spasmed as I tried to put on my boots. So I went and got worked on for about an hour and a half, luckily and that kind of helped a little bit. And then, um, I mean, we wake up to stressful stuff, I guess, when your body's in a weird inflammatory response, stuff happens. So we all know that I've been having some like health concerns recently where we're not quite sure what's happening. I had a biopsy done of like some random hives that I've had on my body for like the last two months. And luckily that came back. My results came back this week uh, inconclusive. Um, so, I mean, it, they thought it was lupus, but it's not lupus. I feel like it's never lupus, but uh, until... But unless it is lupus, then then it's lupus. And it is lupus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is what lessons from Irene. I feel like it's never lupus until it is lupus. And then right. it's lupus. It's lupus. Yeah. Say lupus again. <laughs> yeah. Lupus. Uh, so so that that happened. And then that then that meant that we still are back to where we began and we don't know what it is. But yeah, I've been having this like random uh they call it angioedema, which is swelling yeah. of the extremities. And my mouth seems to be the area that swells the most. And it happens like every, I don't know, every week or so it happened last week too, but it didn't happen quite like this. Like this is like, I look like I had like botched lip fillers. Like that's that, what I'm, yeah, like, it literally looks. I've been yeah, taking Benadryl. Like I took a Benadryl uh, about two hours ago and that didn't work. And then I took another one recently. So hopefully, I don't know what's happening. Um, my damn immune system. I don't know. So angioedema, that's, that's kind of like a, a differential diagnosis. Like it doesn't actually say like, why is this happening to you? Do you know right. what I mean? Right. So, like, so I have an appointment just, with a rheumatologist coming up and also with another dermatologist at the hospital to see if it's like something that I'm in contact with all the time. Mm. But um, I do not know. But one thing I can say is that the swelling happens often when I'm stressed and I'm like, I'm an internal stress holder. Like some people will freak out, they'll scream, they'll throw stuff. They'll like, I don't know, they'll, they'll, they'll deal with it. Mm hmm. I don't. 
I uh, I just internalize just, it all. As the phone yeah. rings, my lip swells. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a patient that wants to come and get care from you. How exciting is that, Irene? Right, except I can't <laughs> move my body. So it's yeah. it's it's a very uh very weird wor- weird world I live in. I will tell you this though, Irene, let you still look absolutely beautiful. Oh, the swelling helps get rid of my wrinkles. Maybe that's what it is. Cause like literally like your skin looks amazing. Yeah. It's the, it's the swelling. I'm very plump right now. Yeah. Yeah. Someone on social media asked me if I was pregnant. Um, because what? Yeah. Asks that random people, uh, because apparently my face is like rounder than it normally is. So, uh, somebody seriously went on to, onto social media and asked you if you were pregnant, they're like, your face is rounder than it normally is. Are you pregnant or did you just gain weight? And I'm (gasps) like, uh, neither seem to be battling some form of autoimmune condition that my whole body is like three times more swollen than it normally is. Um, but, but thanks for asking. That was my response. I can't believe that. Who seriously would ask you really, that? You That's can't like believe bizarre. it. You can't. I know. I know. Cause you, you do send me some really <laughs> wonky things. Like you can't believe send that. You. Actually, I, I can because of the things that people send you, but it's just, and I get like mad for you when yeah. I read some of the crazy things that people say to you. Like, I literally get like angry. Like, how dare you? Right. So yeah, people, they, they like to certainly say whatever they want from behind their little keyboards, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah little so keyboard vigilantes. How are you? What's going on in your world? I'm, I'm, uh, I, I am just going to be honest with you, Irene. I'm nursing a little bit of a hangover and today's Thursday. So I'm like, it's not a cute look for me. I'm trying though. I'm trying. I don't know Um, anyone that gets hangovers on weekdays. I do. I do. Well, this is, this is my fault though, because I, I really, I was like moving and grooving yesterday. I'm like, do you ever have those like hell weeks where like literally, you have like a zillion deadlines. Everybody needs your undivided attention. You have to sign like, and and it's like every email that comes in is not just like a yes or a no. It's like all the things and you're like, and you're just, I mean, I'm literally spread so freaking thin. So yesterday I was like cruising between like delivering programs, meeting with some clients, trying to write content, this and that. And I realized I had a protein shake in the morning and a green juice at lunch. So I hadn't eaten anything. And then they, um, they're doing this thing here in Phoenix. Um, there's this bar called film bar. They play movies. Um, and it's like a bar. So you can like go and like, you know, watch these like cool, like cult classic movies or whatever. Well, with COVID going on, they moved it to an outdoor seating situation. So they have like really cute, like lawn chairs and a huge like projector and they'll project these movies and they do, it's called the big gay sing along. So they'll do like you know, Grease 2 or Xanadu and these kind of like, just like kitschy, you know, movies or whatever. So last night they did The Greatest Showman. Mm, so that's we a good went, flick. I freaking love The Greatest Showman so much. We went with my brother uh, and his girlfriend, my brother, <laughs> my, friend, my brother's had like a beer and a half when he, he sings so loud and he's like not on key. Like, he's not like you, Irene, where he has like a beautiful voice and like, he's like freaking loud and just does it. So we went to the big gay sing-along for The Greatest Showman and I may or may not have snuck some canned wine in my purse. So we were of just like, did. yeah, we were just like doing the damn thing, you know? And I woke up this morning with my tongue stuck to my palate and I'm like, oh no, here we go. Well, so I've been it could drinking be worse. water. 
You could also could have angioedema. Like a, I could have angioedema. Look like someone stuck your this. lips in a vacuum cleaner for the last. <laughs> That's basically what I look like. It it kind of is what you look like. I'm so sorry. It kind of is, but you still look amazing. Yeah, it's basically like, what I look like. I look like someone just took a Hoover and stuck it on my lips. Yeah. 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 Anyways, we have an episode. I'm here. We have an okay, episode. This is you're here. And we, we have, have an episode. episode. Speaking uh, of evacuation and vacuuming. Yeah. I uh I ha- do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna guess who the thing is? Yeah, yeah let's this- do it. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let me let me cue this up. So okay. uh this this uh song is a way back playback that will hopefully okay. assist you in figuring out the first name of our uh, interview uh guest. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Katrina's dancing, everybody. She knows the song. Do you know the song? What's the song, Katrina? Oh, yeah. Quit playing games with my heart by Backstreet Boys. So, do you have any guesses? I to guess the person's first name from this. Yeah, I think you need to name out the band members. There's Howie D. Okay. Howie D was my favorite. Mine There's too. Brian. Okay. Really? Yeah. Wait, you were Howie D? Oh yeah. 100%. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. By the way, Howie D's the hottest one now. He's like the best one. Okay. All right, keep so, going. Okay, Let's go. Howie D, Brian, mm-hmm. Nick. Yeah. Kevin. Kevin yeah. was the old one, remember? Like yeah. he was not a backstreet boy, he was a backstreet man. And then yeah. AJ. Yes. Oh, Dr. AJ. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you for guiding me through that because you know now, like I like the songs, but my brain does not think like it should. Right. I love so this. that. So that that is that is who we we interviewed. Uh, mm-hmm. The really awesome Dr. A.J. Acerno. Acerno is how Acierno. I pronounce it. No. Who uh, who is I don't even want to give it away, but he's he's a big deal. He, he yeah. has a lot of responsibility and uh, is the first person that we interviewed that was being driven by a private driver literally to wherever yeah. he was going and it was kind of cool and i also envy him just a little bit because he manages stress very well and doesn't just gonna say a, di- a gene a, 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 maybe we could ask him yeah. we should have asked him on the episode how he should have would have anywho oh. here's the episode with dr aj and we'll catch you on the flip side on the flippity flip Welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps, with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. How are you, friend? Hi, Irene. Well, I'm probably better than you because <laughs> I know you've had a rough day. Um, but I feel I'm like I've okay. been clenching all day today. Oh, no. Yeah. Got to work that masseter. Um, I'm here in somewhere in North Carolina. Oh, Okay. That's where I am. I'm at an Embassy Suites in North Carolina. At the um, Embassy Suites. At the Holiday Inn. Yeah. It's, but it's like not, do, I don't know. Do you, do you guys have Embassy Suites in yeah. Canada? Yeah, okay. we do. So you know how Embassy Suites has that thing where like you can do like, you know, they have like free happy hour and then you can have this like amazing, beautiful breakfast in the morning, but mostly the happy amazing, hour Amazing, beautiful breakfast, which you mean is just like a freaking croissant from the like no. 7-Eleven. 
a slice of tomato and like some some 14 year old peanut butter like that's no, the beautiful no, breakfast no no when, no at, at embassy suites it's like made to order so you can like go and be like i'll have like three chocolate chip pancakes and then like eggs sunny side i've up, never been to an embassy suites that has okay. chocolate chip pancakes ever it's like every that's that's their whole thing at embassy suites is like you maybe go, it's an you american get this, like, thing breakfast. i don't know here but it's I mean, like the continental croissant and toast yeah. It's like, we're going to let you carb up because you're all traveling for business. So no, but the, it's like, none of that glamor is happening right now because it's all COVID. So like everything right. is shut down. It's like, blah, you know, so what do you have to eat? Nothing. Um, I traveled with just some fast. cashews. I have cashews, a bottle of late harvest Riesling. And <laughs> I think I have a flattened Nature Valley granola bar in that my purse at the bottom sexy. of the bag. That is it's the, already like crumbled is with all, all the, of the food groups. You are following all of the food groups. <laughs> Just following the food pyramid. Yeah, you are. Um, how are you? I, I, yeah. How's, how's the world of Irene? Tell me no, what's I, going on. I followed none of the food groups today. I got to the office. I um, got to the office at my like reasonable hour, which is an hour before everybody else gets here. Mm-hmm. And I get That's a reasonable. text message. I don't know. We have to discuss this, but I got a text message from my assistant who called in sick, who, I, I mean, long story short, I was the only, I was the sole survivor at the office doing everything today. It was like an apocalypse and you were the last <laughs> but time. I appreciate my team so much more right now. <laughs> but we could talk about all of my woes in our uh, our clubhouse thing that we're doing tonight. Um, oh gosh, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll do everything. We'll, we'll talk about it later. But we... We have a guest patiently waiting backstage for the I'm drum excited. tool and the curtains to open. And I have so many questions. I do too. And I want to say, I think this is the first time, at least for me, that we've interviewed a guest who's like literally on the run while we're interviewing them. Yeah. He's in the car. He's like, I'm very concerned. He's like, like I'm super concerned right no, now. He's not driving though. He said, he's got, I know, a, he's but got still, a chauffeur. Still, I feel like this is, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, gonna happen. everyone put your... <laughs> Put your gloves together and provide a nice warm welcome for our friend, Dr. Asierno, who's the CEO of Decision One Dental. Um, we we want to know so much about you, about yes. your travels through dentistry, why you're in the car right now. And I yes. have so many questions about your TED Talk. So what's up, Doc? Yeah. How are you today? Oh, um, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm very happy to have uh, be on this. And I'll tell you what, you guys have... Uh, you guys have quite the following and an awesome show that you have entertaining as always. So I'm just excited to be on. Thanks. Oh, well, it's really Irene. That's the entertaining one. Uh, I'm just, <sighs> I'm just here to smooth things out. You I'm know? an entertainer. <laughs> what, what, what can I say? I'm not an entertainer enough to be accepted to do a Ted talk though. Unfortunately, I keep no. applying and I keep applying. I feel like I have to go to like a smaller city or something yeah. to get out of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> Someday, Irene. So so you're in Chicago, is that right? I got lucky. I'll tell you what, I got I'm in Chicago. I totally got lucky when I did my TED talk. I think somebody somebody backed out and then they just had to pull me from the bench. So I was I was lucky to get my TED talk. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get we'll get to that. Let's do a little let's do a little started from the bottom now we're here. There it is. Sounds good. And and we're friends, right? I can call you AJ, is that right? Or do I have to call you Dr. Sierra? Okay. No, All right. I just want to. I just want to make sure lo- that we're not crossing you- any boundaries here. <laughs> I love how you say the last name, though. Is My it wrong? Be really proud of the way that you say the last. No, it's awesome. Very, it's very Italian. 
Ma, che cazzo fai? Ask Irene to say it how her Romanian mother would say it, because this is going to be this. How would your Romanian mother pronounce this last name? Acerno, Acerno, AJ Acerno. There's a lot of the rush. They're rolling of the rush. Um, yeah, let's let's do a little from the beginning. I know we know where you kind of are now, and we'll get to the the highlight reel of what's happening in your life. But let's talk about the Italian boy within you. Yeah, where where did you come from? What's what's the situation? Where did you grow up? What kind of childhood did you have? Did you have any siblings? You always want to be a dentist. Born and rich. That's good. Yeah, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Um, my mom and dad. My dad was a CPA. My mom was a school teacher. Um, my brother, since we were two years old, since he was two years old, he wanted to be a dentist. Honestly, really? wow. everything was. He always wanted to be a dentist. Um, I was one that I didn't know really what I wanted to do, um, and uh, I followed my brother to Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. And again, he was like dead set on I'm going to dental school. I went to Creighton actually dead set on doing some research and getting into medicine. And, um, you know, thank goodness that during my uh, decision-making process, I figured out I didn't want to get into medicine. And that was probably a, a great decision for me in the long run. Uh, but I really wanted to be able to fix somebody and I wanted to take care of people, but not have a lot of noise in the way of taking care of people. And my experience back in, oh man, I'm, uh, sad to say, but 1995, 96, where I started seeing medicine make a real drastic turn. Um, and uh, so I decided I didn't really want to do that. My brother was like, why don't you go to dental school? And I'm like, man, I don't want to work on teeth. <laughs> like, this is not good. And uh, and he's like, come on, you, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You like, you don't like it, then you go back to medicine or you figure something out. I got into it and loved every minute of it. I mean, it was everything that I loved about medicine, patient care, relationships, being able to, at the time, I had no interest in business. I saw my dad as a CPA and I'm like, no way am I working behind a desk. Mm. But little did I know, I, I really did have a passion for the business. I, I love dentistry, but I had a passion for the business. But I really had a passion for the relationships and the business. That's what I loved. That's what I loved about medicine. And I really didn't know that until I, got into dentistry and started figuring that out. Um, got out of dental school. Again, my, my brother got out of dental school and he took over the associateship at your, your childhood dentist place. Right? Mm. So I got out of dental school and I got no other family in dentistry. So I'm like, what the heck do I do? These large groups were coming in and, uh, and that was in 2001. We're coming and saying, Hey, listen, we're a big group and we want, we need dentists. And I ended up going to work for a large DSO and, Learned a lot. Learned a lot of things that I hated. Learned a lot of things that I loved. Um, and uh, left there. Went and opened up uh, a lot of practice. And um, kind of became a private practitioner for a while. And went back to mm -hmm. Chicago. So cool. uh, from there, from there, it kind of blew up. But I mean, I'm happy to answer any questions from there. But that's so kind good. of my story and how I got to, to dentistry. So my question to you is, did you and your brother go to dental school? You, did you guys go to the same dental school? We did. And yep. were you the same, yep. like, we were, were in the, the same dental school. Were you in the same class or was, were one, one of you above no, the no, other? No, no, no. Two years apart. My brother's older. So he was, a, he was my older brother and oh. which kind of helped me in dental school because, you know, it, it enables us to be able to, like, he gave me some patience yeah, when I was, yeah. when he's graduating and I was getting into clinic. So it was pretty cool. 
That's awesome. Did he like share any secrets? Like careful for this guy's class on nutrition. He's, you know, a lot of questions on the Krebs cycle or like you just kind of shared patience and that's it. No, he gave me a lot of secrets, but Mike didn't like, he didn't pave the exact like smooth road for me in dental school. My brother is a um, super smart dude and um, really talented in his hands and his relationship skills. But Mike figures out like what's the minimum that you have to do. And he Mm -hmm. like, he just hits that and moves on. And there's a, there's a, there's a, a, and it's a good story. There's a hell week in dental school. And there's like 16 exams in one week. And uh, there's a big operative test. This operative test comes and it's like two pages. It's a ton of questions. I'm sorry, 20 pages, ton of questions. So I walk into my class in sophomore year. And the, and the professor comes up to me. He goes, listen, you, t- you pulled the same shit your brother did. Oh, I'll throw you right out of this class. And I'm what like, your brother do? what the hell happened? So I found out that my brother hands in the test. This is like a two hour test. Oh, no. And an hour later, he hands in the test. Okay. And the dentist goes, hey, you're not done with this whole backside. And my brother goes, you only need a 70% to get this. So you got to 70%. Get the pass, right? <laughs> and he goes. I can get. I know I got a seventy-two at least on this. Oh. I'm not wasting my time on the rest <gasps> of the stuff. That yeah, little that, that was my brother. So oh. He sure didn't pave the way for me to like. How how do you think that that's gotten him now in dentistry? I mean, you seem like you were the you were the overachiever of the two, and then he was the Mike, do enough to get by. So how how do you think that that's reflected in private practice? Did did one way or another get either of you any further? Well, that's interesting. Mike's the, Mike's our chief dental director, and he could probably give you a whole hour's worth of his dealing with me, you know, uh, because when I got out of school, wait, you know, oh when I started it's my practice. Like, yeah, wait, 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 so so you got to remember, my dad, as we grew the company, my dad was CFO, my brother was, you know, chief dental officer, and I was the CEO. So um, it, it was my brother, when we first got out of school, my brother then went to his associateship, went to his own private practice, and my dad's a, my dad's a CPA. So my dad was like, hold on a second. AJ, how is your practice doing so much differently than my brother? And mm. the deal is that my brother just loves, he just so loves dentistry. And I do too, mm. but I mean, he loves, he can care less. Like the whole walls could be falling in. No money's being made. If he's doing dentistry, He's happy, Aww. right? So it was a good, it was kind of a good yin and a yang. He, I got to show him, hey, wait a second. You're an awesome, talented clinician. You should be having a great business also with it. And he taught me a lot too. I mean, he taught me a lot about relationship making with patients and really how to form a great practice and a great family practice. And so it helped a lot. That's really cool. Can you imagine, Irene? Like, I guess you, okay. I wish I had a sibling. I was going to say. <laughs> I, think I, like, I so wish that I had a sibling. I, I, <laughs> I am an only child and I am, I am the onlyest only child. I'm the loneliest yes. only child. Yes. And I think for the, for the better part of my existence, I wish that like one of my parents would have an affair with someone and oops, you're they're pregnant. And now you have a step sibling. It's like, I, you know what? I'd be pissed, but I don't think I'd be that pissed because I'd end up with a sibling. 
Um, <laughs> I wish. I wish that I could have a sibling. Like, I have nobody to talk to. You know. You have so you, many siblings, Katrina. I have so many be... coming out of my ears. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's scary and it's tough to imagine that, you know, one day it'll just, it'll just be me. And anyways, um, crazy. And I wish that I had a sibling yeah. that was in dentistry. I know. Like, it'd be cool to do like a sister's talk or a brother's mm-hmm. sister talk. Like even your sister do like, she's mm-hmm. not in dentistry, but she's in healthcare. So you mm-hmm. guys like have co-lectured together. I don't know. I think that's pretty badass, but it's, it's, it's not cool in my cards. Because, I, but I don't know. It's so interesting. Like hearing AJ's side of the story, like with my sister, um, you know, my, my sister and I are very much cut from the same cloth and that we, our lecture styles are similar, how we approach hair is very similar. So it's like, yeah, it's a little bit different. <laughs> You're both <laughs> ginger cute show. gingers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So now fast forward to your, you're in Chicago. Is your brother still in Chicago? My brother's still in Chicago and okay. his practice and my practice are about 25 minutes away. Oh, cool. So if you like run out of supplies, you can like call up your brother and be like, Hey, can I borrow some lidocaine? And then like just zippity doodah over there and get some or. Well, if, if we got that kind of problem, we're in really bad shape. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> but yes, we could do that. Yes, we that's could awesome. do that. <laughs> so you and your brother are out and you're practicing and, and all of a sudden now like a big boom happens, right? Like there's a huge pivot that happens for you. Tell us a little bit about what happened that kind of brought you to, to where you are now. I think the pivot is, is that the, the things that we were learning from group practice and understanding what group practice brought to the, to the realm, that's really what it was and the changes in dentistry mm-hmm. and those type of things. And, um, you know, the pivot probably was us, you know, having some success and, and opening up and, and acquiring some other dental practices and forming the communication skills and the classes that we teach and the, the systems that we run a dental practice. That, that was the pivot. Um, and probably if you ask me, the, the largest pivot was taking my brother's office from a $500,000 $500, a year office to a $2.2 million mm. Wait, what? Let's talk office. about that. How did that? Yeah, see, how, Irene is like, tell me more. Okay, so I don't know if you know anything about me. Probably not, because I see you don't follow me on Instagram. Uh, uh, oh, no. Oh, no. The shame always comes out. Um, I, I, I'm a dental hygienist, and I opened up my own dental practice. So I've got two docs that work on site here for me, and then a full team who all called in sick today, apparently. And, uh, and we're six months old. So we opened in July and uh, February will Congrats. be seven months. Thank you. And I don't know what good is. Like, I don't know what good numbers are. I, I ask people and they're like, you know, based on your off and it's based on your overhead and based on your demographic. It's like, what type of practice do you have? But like, nobody really tells you like what, what, how do you go from 500K to 2.2 or whatever you just said? I mean, how, how does one do that? Is it increasing the types of services, offering a variety of services? Is it more ops? Because more ops always means more space for patients, which could be more money. It also could be more drama. What, what do you money think? More problems. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me, you know, I have right now we have 32 offices at decision one. I'm also 32. the CEO of, of I have 32 offices at Decision One in the Chicagoland area. So I'm the CEO and founder. My brother and I are the founders of that, of that group. And I oversee as the COO um, uh, 
now at 192 offices of Midwest Dental. So I, I see a lot of practices and I do a lot of things. And that's what I tell everybody at first. I've seen $7 million practices. I've seen $15 million practices. I've seen a million dollar practices. It really doesn't matter what type of practice you have or what productivity you have. It really depends on the type of dentist that you have and what you really want, right? If you have the greatest kick-ass $1 million practice, great. Then you have a kick-ass $1 million practice and you're probably better than a lot of practices out there because you just drive it and you're awesome at what you do there. And I've seen some $7 million practices that are like, yeah, I'm $7 million, but my culture sucks. People hate mm-hmm. me. I have turnover at my front desk and um, my patients are pissed at me. Okay, then you probably aren't successful. You know, success yeah. depends on what you deem success. Everybody's success is different, you know? Um, and so that's, I'll just say, that's what I learned from that. Hmm. My brother's office was like untapped potential. He was seeing over 300 adult profits per month. By the way, that's something how I measure practices. But he was seeing over 300 adult, adult profits per month. per month? Yeah, per month. So he's running like, he was running free hygiene every day he was killing it but he was not doing any dentistry yeah you know and it was just productivity not coming out of hygiene his, so productivity was coming out of hygiene but he was giving away a lot of free services he was i mean he was the he is the greatest relationship building doctor that i ever met that i ever met and probably will ever meet if mm. you go like he was chicagoland area he starts up a practice that basically had 60 adult profits per month and he builds it to like this 300 adult profits killing it. But he just doesn't know how to get people to say yes. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like, Hey, we love Dr. Mike, but we'll see you later. There's no urgency. There's just all these things that there's no systems in the office. Everybody's doing their own thing. And really once you put systems in place and you created some urgency and learned how to get good treatment acceptance. I mean, it was like, bam, in three months, his office went from like this small practice to how the heck do I fit all these people in? And mm-hmm. We didn't do anything. It wasn't like we marketed. My brother gets, this is no joke, in Chicago, he gets 55 to 65 new patients a month, mm-hmm. $0 in marketing, wow. zero. But so, it, he wait. built it over the years, you know? Hold, 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 hold your roll. Back it up. So we have a lot of questions. My pen about this. and paper. Yeah. I can't write Irene's that fast. ready. She's a good student. Okay. Two right, things. So let, let me give you. Two things you just let me give said. You a, let me give you a statistic. Okay. A, one general dentist. One, one dentist. Yeah. If you see over 120 adult profits per month. Okay. If you see over 120, you could be a million dollar office. Hmm. If you right. see over 200 adult profits, then you probably need one and a half dentists in your practice. Right. If you see over 250 adult profits, you probably need two. It depends, though, on the dentist. If you have a real superb driver, they're going to want to see 250 by themselves, right? But if you have a not, you know, a good dentist, but just not a driver, then those numbers kind of escalate. That's just a little something like if you're going to buy a practice or looking for right. a practice, those are the type of practices that you want to see. I love Got this it. metric. So so go ahead, two questions. It's, I'm in Canada, so it's a little different here. We don't have this like quote unquote profi thing. So 
our fees are different. Our fee guides are different. Our billings are different. So our pro fees, I mean, what do you guys charge for an adult pro fee? Let's talk about that. Let's compare apples to oranges here. I mean, that's, you guys are asking uh, no, hard, a hard question. Now. Let's see. Irene, on average, um, I mean, at ballpark, I'm going to give you a ballpark. Range. It's a 90, range. Ninety bucks. Okay, so you're, you're let's adult. 90, let's call it a hundred dollars. Your adult pro fee, which is a hundred dollars, and then your your patients come in for their pro fee once every six months. This is assuming like they're healthy, right? Like they've had their SRP, they've done their whole perio stuff. Now mm. they're like on a maintenance. Katrina's going to have a different decision because she works in a perio practice. I'm a sole Canadian well, person. I, I, I'm going to say the thing that all the hygienists in America are saying right, right it's now, not, which is it's not as easy it's a as perio that. It's a perio. No, it's a perio maintenance. It's not a pro fee. But yes, okay. okay. But, but whatever. Yes. We're just call it, we're calling okay. it what, what, what the insurance companies are calling it, what the patients are calling yeah, it. We're not talking dental. My we're free talking cleaning patient. insurance coverage. Right, yeah. my free, what my free okay. cleaning from my insurance coverage. So that's $100, right? How much time does that generally take? Like... 30 minutes to 40 minutes. We, have, we do an hour. We do our pro fee. We do our pro fee appointment. So one that, hour, that $100. One hour, that one hour, Irene, is not just scaling. That's right. There's an okay. exam. There's okay. some polishing. All, there's perhaps a fluoride. All the assessments. Right. X-rays. Right. Cancer screening. All the assessments. And that's everything one hour. $100-ish. No, 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 no. Okay. That's about 150 Okay, so we had average one fifty. So what you guys call your profi at one fifty, we call like a three month or a four month perio here, and that that ends up being like, I mean, three units of scaling and my fee guide is one hundred and seventy three dollars. So if I don't do a polish, if I don't do a fluoride, if I don't do an exam, the minimum amount for forty five minutes of scaling is one hundred and seventy three bucks. So when I take this, these numbers okay. that you just told me, and you converted that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. How do you know when you're, there's always that like ugly duckling moment, right? Where it's like, I'm not quite ready to have another doc on full time. Um, I have to take the hit for a little bit. How do you, how do you do that with a doctor? How do you like try and bring on someone that perhaps isn't going to be fully, fully booked up and still get them to commit and invest in the business? Great question. So, um, you don't, I mean, just pure honesty. Um, you have to stretch the limits of your practice and the doctor to the utmost limit before you bring in another person, because Mm. that's where I'm telling you most failed associateships are because they're not busy. Mm. They don't have enough touches, meaning enough examinations. They Mm -hmm. don't, that's, that's why associateships fail because doctors believe that they need somebody else because they're busy, they're real busy, they're stressed out, so they go get an associate. But the associate's only doing 25, 30% of what the other doc's doing, and they're mm-hmm. pissed, right? Um, and that's, you know, a lot of people talk about um, dentists coming out of school and they're concerned about over-treatment because of the loans and, you know, all this stuff. I don't necessarily buy into that. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I have more problems in dentistry with under-treatment than over-treatment. 100%. That is a, that is a guarantee. The wait, the wait and watch guarantee. model, the like supervised yeah. neglect. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just wait and watch this like I, incipient lesion here mm-hmm. that perhaps will get better and generally they don't. I look at 20 to 30 practices per month to, to purchase and to acquire. Okay. Um, I will tell you 
5% have a perio program that I would be proud of. In the Same. So and no joke. And that's, that's, I think, the, the multifaceted layer. In fact, this was going to be my next question to you is, um, you know, oftentimes when you see practices move into this model where they bring in another associate and that associate isn't busy, oftentimes one of the pieces that they integrate is, well, then that individual can actually start seeing some of the either hygiene patients or they can start doing some SRPs to, you know, kind of help bolster and and build up their schedule. What's your opinion on bringing an associate in and having them do some of the perio in the practice just to kind of keep them busy? There is, there is sure, there is sure a lot of, I've yet to meet a doctor. I have not met one of my colleagues that raises their hand and goes, can I do a scaling? Hey, that's great. (laughs) I want to do that. You know, honestly, I, does it work? Yes. But it's, you got to get to the actual answer. The answer is, how are you going to get this doctor busy? And I always look at my doctors that want an associate in there. And I said, I'll say to them, are you comfortable with taking a 25% pay cut? If you are, you're ready for an associate. If you're not, you're not ready for an associate. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's well, because if you were, if I was, um, if I didn't have this company and I was just in my private practice and I have a, I'm like my brother. I have a big private practice. We do, you know, our private practice. I have three docs and about 3.7 million. Um, If I'm in my practice, okay, I am comfortable with taking a pay cut based on getting my associates in. Sure. Right? Because I know I need them. I can't do it all myself or else I'll never continue to grow my practice. And this is what I find phenomenal. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another story. With all these, like, looking at offices and stuff, you know what's phenomenal is we see, you know, you go, go into a practice and be like, so doc, how many new patients you see? 30, 40. Oh, that's mm. cool. Well, doc, I got a question for you. How many hygienists do you have? Oh, I got two. Doc, how many hygienists have you had like mm. 10 years ago? There you oh, go. I've always had two. There you go. My answer is. Where are you growing? Where's the back training door bucket? is yeah. open. Yes. What's you training? Are, you are. And what I see, I'll tell you what I see. Cause I teach disc and I teach communication and I teach like, understand personalities. When you look at that doctor's personality and you look at the team and then you start coming through that doctor, you immediately know why that practice isn't growing Mm. because they are one type of personality and they're offending all the others. Mm. You know, this, you're offending the other three. So the other three are leaving and they only care about the people that really like them because of the same personality. And that's really, I always so I always constantly look at our offices and say, are you growing? If you're not growing, you're dying. So mm-hmm. where are you at? Mm-hmm. If you saw a hundred adult profies per month last year, then this year you should see 115 because you saw 20, 30 new patients a month. Right. You know? So does that also apply to a startup? So I have a startup. My practice is, is brand new for six, yep. six, six months and one week old and, Seven today. Let me look at the schedule. Let me look at six months. Happy six month anniversary. Thank you. That's exciting. We're seven. We're at seven hundred and eighty three new patients in six months from zero during a global pandemic. I don't know. Is that good? I I don't know. Is do you feel like that's good? Pretty good. (laughs) Of course, it's good. Irene, you're amazing. And I think that's really good. I would say this, Irene. So now I I have another hygienist who works two and a half days a week. We added another doc who works one extra day a week and a weekend. So we went from one doc working three days 
Thursday, Friday, and then every other Tuesday to now every other Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Um, and like very few gaps in the schedule, but I mean, how, how do you, how do you grow as we know we, we do the thing we, we ask for, you know, Google reviews and share your friend and ask for this and do that. Um, we give incentives, but what, what types of strategies would you say in your experience have worked the best to help either a new practice grow or that doc that you were just talking about that perhaps has been quite stagnant for the last, I don't know, decade. And I was like, all right, I need to pull up my socks because I'm sitting, this practice is my retirement. How do I, how do you do that? What types of suggestions would you give someone? So this is, it'll be kind of cliche, but um, I don't know. We visited uh, 10 offices today, 12 offices today. When you walk into an office, you feel it. Mm. Like, you know, when you walk into an office and they got it going on. And that feel is when you've been in, when you're in enough dental practices and you feel it, you figure out it's culture, it's how they feel. And it's like, um, it's just patients feel that they get it, you know? And I, you know, we try to teach our team members and we try to teach our hygienists and our assistant, everybody. You have a chance every single day to make a difference in somebody's life. You could better a person's life by the interaction you have. That's the power you have. Mm-hmm. So when you have somebody in front of you, make one, become, have one common goal, one common initiative with that person. That's how you form a relationship, right? So Mrs. Jones, where are you from? Uh, I'm from here. Great. How many kids do you have? Oh, I have three kids. Oh my gosh, I have three kids also. How old are your kids, right? Mm-hmm. They, that's the commonality that you can get with somebody. That is the relationship that you can build. So you should be building relationships every person walking out, okay? Because every person, I need them more than they need me. Same thing in my DSO. I need every one of my doctors and every one of my team members more than they need me. Which is the way mm-hmm. it is, right? So I, I, one of our one of our key um, uh, foundations in our in our company and pillars is altruism, right? Yeah. I, I I need to treat others better than myself, and um, that if you ask me what is the key to growing a practice, that's the key. That right there hmm. is number one, hands down. Um, yeah, you could go through all the marketing and you could deal with like the social media and the marketing, and um, honestly. I have so many people that come to me and I look at their marketing budget and I'm like, man, you are spending crazy amounts of marketing. Oh, this is great. I get 70 new patients. I get a hundred new patients. Yeah, By the right. way, that's in Chicago. So that's, right. that's a lot. They're not retaining it. Right. Right. They're doing you know, they're, the, again, they're come in just, for a cleaning and get your free whitening. And then the patient mm-hmm. never comes back. That's correct. And, and there are successful dental offices that rely on 50% to 70% of their production per month based on new patients. Oh, wow. There are a lot of dental companies that do that, and it is very successful. I'm not knocking that at all. Interesting. That is a business, that viable business model is busting out all of these like promotions to gather new patients. And you're, 
and you're just who knew i was wondering that that's wait like, hold on a second so so the model am i wrong the model is you spend the money you get the patient the patient comes in for an initial visit perhaps you never see them again but then when they sell the practice they sell the practice with a higher number of patients but won't they look no, at activity no, no, no. they get they get the patient in like this is where the this is where those they get the patient in and they do as much on that patient as possible mm-hmm. in that time frame, right? And Crossover treatment, covers. get them done, but they'll probably they'll probably never come back to the dentist again. I I honestly, so I'll tell you why. I, Patients I, I, that's do not that? a model that I have. People do. Yeah, that? So they, you got to yeah. remember. So this gets to never do that. This gets I into a bigger conversation. So so the bigger conversation is this: the patient is coming. The patient's coming in because they don't come to the dentist often and they just want to come once and that's it. There is a ton mm-hmm. of patients like that. Okay? No way. We're based on, my philosophy is more on the retention of patients and all that. Now, mm-hmm. I will tell you the bigger part in dentistry that we got to fix, okay? Um, so my tagline is, I, I will never walk away from dentistry if I have an improved dentistry, okay? Mm-hmm. And here's how we're going to improve dentistry. This is kind of sad for our, for dentistry as a whole, you know, so, but we got to be, we got to be realistic. You know, before the pandemic, 44% of Americans went to the dentist. Okay? Mm. Out of those 44% of the people, less than 30% actually got their treatment bill. So that, that means that would be like me going to a restaurant saying, Hey, I'm hungry. I sat down, somebody passed me the menu and I was like, nah, I'm not nah. hungry anymore. Right. <laughs> they go to the dentist, get their teeth clean. And they're like, yeah, you just told me I need a cavity. I'm not buying that. I'm leaving, right? We we haven't even tapped the mm-hmm. potential of getting patients into health. It is just remarkable, you know? And with this pandemic, it's even worse now. You know, we have even, I, I, I haven't seen the numbers, but we know that 20% of the patients that went to the dentist in 2019 didn't come in 2020. Right. Now, will they come back in 2021? We don't know. But right. if it was only 44% of Americans back then, I don't know about Canada, but if it was only 4, 44% of Americans, man, we got to be better at that. And we got to be better at getting them to help. We just have mm-hmm. to. I, I absolutely love that. And I, I, you're so right. It brings, it, it peels back some layers for us in dentistry about the things that maybe we're missing. So I want to play devil's advocate for just a minute here, because one of the things that you, um, you know, definitely have built a lot of your practice philosophy on is the concept of connecting with the patient. And I think as people are listening to you share about like, yes, there's an entire model where practices will bring a patient in, sit them down, diagnose the treatment. Oh, we have an open chair right now. Let's get you started on that, you know, or whatever. We try and get as much done as we can in that day. And then the patient leaves. I think the idea is if you can build a viable relationship with that patient, the idea is they fall in love with you and they then recognize that they need to take steps to come into the dentist on a routine basis. The challenge I see is that. I think, and in my opinion, I think this started with the financial recession that happened in 2008, 2009. I think some of us in dentistry, particularly in dental hygiene, have swung like a pendulum to the other side where we spend so much time connecting with the patient and sharing stories and learning about how that recent trip to Costa Rica was. And oh, how are the girls doing in cheerleading camp that we are no longer, like we're missing 
performing some of these assessments, letting the patient know that we're doing an oral cancer screening and all of those things. So what are your thoughts on, on where we've shifted in kind of that, that focused model around connecting with the patient first and foremost? So Katrina, I can't agree with you more. Kind of like connecting and doing your job at the same time. The connection takes more aspect, you know, more of an importance. Um, I, I would say that um, I don't want to offend you as hygienists, right? But I, I will say that we we need more people in our field that love what they do and not just, hey, I come in and I love the hours and I love that I get paid an hourly, a good hourly wage and I love that. I mean, I love the fact that I take care of people's oral health. Right. You know? um, because the amount of supervised neglect that is occurring in today's dentistry is remarkable. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think we have really, I don't think there's a lot of people that come to work and be like, you know what, today I'm going to be the crappiest hygienist possible. That does sure. not happen. Right. I do think that a lot of people get nervous about like, I don't want to have to tell them that they have perio and I'm just going to clean this calculus off and not tell them. And man, it's a eight millimeter pocket, but it was eight millimeters before or they'll be okay. You know, I, I feel for that, you know, and I think our duty is to help get them through that because I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, right? If you, I think what you're saying is I like the connections. I like all that stuff, but man, we got to get to business. Right. We got to get down to business and business is we take care of the oral health of your mouth, mm-hmm. you know? And if we're not doing that, then what the hell are we actually doing? Right. And that's, believe me, I had that discussion many times. You will not believe how many hygienists that I have to have a discussion with and say, you do know you're supposed to take full mouth x-rays. Mm-hmm. Oh, doc, man, that's just a waste of time. And um, man, it's just a money grab. And you don't, what? No, it's not a money. It's like, when did you go through de- hygiene school or dental school and think this is a money grab? That right? sounds to me like a training a, issue, walk- though. Is it training or is it value? Think, you know what? It's. I think. I think to me that's well. It could be two things. One, it's it's a training issue. It's a training and systems issue in the practice where, like, this hygienist perhaps feels like taking a full mouth X ray is to line the pockets of the practice or the doc but doesn't quite understand the usefulness of it in our, in our practice. And as you mentioned earlier, and Katrina speaks about this, like everywhere in the world, like Carmen San Diego, that periodontal disease is one of the most undiagnosed diseases because of people like us, because of the people that go through the hamster wheel every day and we clock in and we clock out and we're so busy to chase the profi that we forget mm-hmm. to diagnose periodontal disease. But hey, hold up. Wait a second. How do we do that? Well, we need x-rays to do that. So our hygienists that are clocking in and clocking out, like I once did many moons ago, you know, wanted to be the most efficient at my job in that one hour or whatever time I had. I didn't want to piss Mm -hmm. anybody off. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to go to lunch on time and I didn't strive for excellence because of time. So I used time as my excuse. It was like, well, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. But Mm -hmm. we forget. It sounds like it's a training issue to then like reintroduce the things and the principles we learned in dental hygiene school that we forget. Like we learn all of these steps once upon a time when we were new 
just like you, Doc, you learned something in dental school many moons ago that you've perhaps forgotten or have chosen to to forget. But it's like those foundational principles, like why do we take an FMX as a hygienist? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Am I on the right track or am I like that, way that makes, off base? No, you're, I think you're right on it. I think you're on the right track. I, you got to remember, you're in your four walls by yourself. Right. So in your four walls, you just become used to what you're doing. You haven't killed anybody. So you figure, hey, everybody's okay. And mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're really neglecting people completely during the most lawsuits. I'll tell you, the most lawsuits that come about now aren't, they're not going to sue Dr. John because they have a relationship with Dr. John. As soon as Dr. John retires, that's when Dr. John gets sued mm-hmm. because they're going to sue them because they're going to go to their kid's dentist who they're going to look and go, you know that you have rampant periodontal disease all over mm. your mouth? And they're like, what? what? I just, no I've one been ever going told to the me dentist that. every six months. He said everything was fine. Yeah. So <laughs> it's accountability. It's value. It's pride in what you do. Mm-hmm. All those things are what sometimes, I'm not saying a lot, but a lot of, a lot of times, sometimes it does happen, right? It, it's just it's where we're at. And we just have to come to grips with it. Yeah. Um, I think there's accountability on my colleagues, myself as a dentist, right? If I'm in the office, you know, I have to hold accountability to what my license is and what everybody else is doing, you know? And if all of a sudden I look at my numbers, and by the way, I think everybody should be looking at numbers or else you never know what's Mm -hmm. going on. Kind of like when you walk Mm -hmm. into a dental office, how many people accept treatment? A hundred percent, you know? I would say everybody looks at measurements. If you... See perio at ten percent, man. Just look and say you got a problem. You know, like yeah, something yeah. must be wrong in my practice, and and try to better it. I love that. Great. So my question to you is, and, and I, I totally agree. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about different benchmarks, right? Like how many new patients you bring into your practice. And what is your, you know, gross at the end of the year for the practice? And what are your perio numbers and all of those things? For most hygienists, um, that is just like Charlie Brown's mom, like wah, 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 wah. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're not focused on that piece of it. So the, the challenge becomes how do you escort the hygienist into understanding like these are parts of the benchmark or pieces that help us understand that you have an efficient, healthy practice, pun intended. My question to you is aside from numbers, what are some of the things that you look at that help identify a successful practice? You had mentioned earlier that's, you know, you could have a million dollar practice where, you know, Shitty vibe. there's success versus a seven. So what, what are some of the things that you, when you go into a practice that you say, okay, this is a successful practice, or this is a practice that has potential because we're like right on the cusp of like hitting these pieces. So that's a good question. So we have, uh, we do clinical assessments and we do business assessments, right? And um, business, we can always fix. Uh, clinical is tough, okay? Mm-hmm. But sometimes you walk into a dental practice, to be honest with you, if there's not a lot of dentistry being done, it's probably a good practice to buy because you're going to have a lot of dentistry to do. Yes, tough conversation. Yes, tough communication that you're going to have to have with these patients because they haven't had a lot of dentistry. But there is things to do. Uh, some practices we walk into and their clinical is just perfect. Perfect. Their business is good. I would not buy the practice. Mm-hmm. Doctors work through the entire patient base. There's nothing to do. So you're going to get in there and you're going to be like, hey, doc, 
I know you did a million dollars last year, and then you were on pace to do only 800. You told me it was because you were slowing down. No, it's because there's no more work to do on this patient, you know? Hmm. Um, and that's, you know, you, those are the things that I look at in there. Uh, staff turnover, I look at, make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, what type of culture do they have? Why so much staff turnover? Um, uh, you know, those are probably the biggest things that we look at. And the clinical assessment is, you know, pulling charts and looking at things and all that stuff. But the business aspect, to be honest with you, you can fix that with many projects. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, how do you feel about when people either buy out of practice or consultants that go into a practice and start firing people left and right? Like where, where are we at with that? Like, let's just get provocative for a minute. I know I can see your face. I know. We're ending it down. on a high note. <laughs> holy, holy, holy cow. Holy uh, the the saying uh, is actually holy molar. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like consultants. Um, the only issue I have with consultants are they leave and they don't have anything financially or they don't have any skin in the game if you don't succeed. In fact, they probably don't want you to succeed, so you have to hire them again. So yeah. I, I, there's, there's, I just have a, that's my, and, and not all consultants are like that. I mean, the good ones are like, they just live and breed your offices. So in saying that, I can buy a dental office anywhere in the United States. All mm-hmm. I got to do is just get some rent, pay some rent, get some chairs, put it in there, and boom, I'm a dental office, right? <laughs> I am buying 99% of what I'm buying is the goodwill of a dental practice. Mm-hmm. The relationships that that dental practice has with their patients. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying a de novo. I'm buying a dental practice, a fully functional dental practice. So if I fire everybody that has relationships in there, I might as well have taken the wad of cash that I just paid on it and just mm-hmm. flushed it right down the toilet yeah. because mm-hmm. that's what you're buying. Here's what I say. Okay. When I, 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 I hear this, so this is not abnormal, right? I hear this people ask and I go, well, that was probably really crappy due diligence on what office you should have bought. Because if you knew that you were going to fire all these people and you shouldn't have bought this practice, hmm. you know? So Right. We mm-hmm. do a lot of due diligence with the doctor to see how the team is, how the team's going to react, all those things. Um, that's important. Yeah. Mm. That, that was a good answer. And actually, that's, that's, a really and good actually answer. that's what I'm traveling around today. That's what I'm traveling all these offices today for. So that's why. You're not firing people? I'm not firing people. Hey, if you, no, want, a, I'm if you actually want an trying expert. To, I'm trying to build the goodwill. Yeah. Right. All right, let's close it off with the hottest topic. Uh, let's talk about your TED Talk. And let's talk about your concept. For those of you that haven't watched uh, AJ's TED Talk, it's linked in the details below. And he presents a series of concepts, and one particularly how healthcare is losing its soul. Am I on the right track with that? How, what, who, what, where, when, why, and how? What, what, what? What was your, what? what the, why? Where did this come from in your mind? You know, where it came from was, you know, my view as a healthcare provider is that you care about the person's health and you want to see that through, right? And um, the fact is business is coming into healthcare. Okay, before, you got to remember, 
the reason business wasn't in healthcare before is because the margins were so big, you you didn't need business. As soon as you start squeezing the margins and insurance starts decreasing prices and expenses go up, the margins get smaller. When margins get smaller, then you consolidate. And then as consolidation occurs, you can actually make the margin. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way it is. And a lot of people think that you can't have business and healthcare coexist. I, mm-hmm. I believe you can, right? I'm a dentist that loves business and loves dentistry. And we were, we've been able to do this very successfully. But you have to have the right business people understand what healthcare is about. This isn't a donut shop. This isn't mm. just about expenses, product, and all this stuff. You have a live person on the end of what you're doing in healthcare. So you have to, your margins have to take a back seat sometimes to what is the health of a patient, right? Right. Um, and that's where this all this started coming into, you know, and I do believe we can do it. But I do believe that there's a conversation that has to occur. I do believe that medicine has royally screwed it up. I mean, it is, I, there's not too many physicians that come to me and go, you, know, you know, AJ, man, I'm glad I'm working the way I am. Not too many, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. You haven't been to a hospital system recently. I mean, you go into a hospital system, if you don't take care of yourself or if you're not an advocate for yourself, you got a problem. So that's where the whole advocacy came into. Like, we're going to be an advocate for our patient. We're no longer going to let the patient be an advocate for themselves. We're going to do that. And I think that's the heart and soul of what healthcare is about, you know. But we've, we've kind of put ourselves in this position. You know, we've allowed insurance companies to dictate what we're going to do. We've allowed insurance companies to dictate how this is going to go forward. Um, you know, the last time... I checked when I go in for heart surgery, I would, mm. I don't want my cardiologist or my surgeon to be like, no, I don't think I'm getting paid enough for this. Mm. Probably mm-hmm. not the person that I want figuring out whether they're paid correctly or not, you know? Right. Um, but that's how we are, you know, this year during the pandemic, I'll tell you what, the biggest issue that we're going to have in the pandemic with the, you know, that that's with healthcare and medicine, insurance companies have made absolute record profit in this pandemic. I mean, record. Well, yeah, they're think getting about paid, but getting, no one's using the benefits. Hmm. They're getting all their premiums and nobody's using any benefits. It is ridiculous, right? But what did they come to us after the pandemic? Hey, you know what I think we should do is cut your, you know, cut a, uh, cut reimbursement because, hey, we're having a tough time. It's a pandemic. It is. So, so that's where the whole healthcare lost its soul. That's where all that goes into. And that's what we're trying to do at Decision One. And um, now I'm, my partnership with Smile Brands and now with Midwest, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're 600 plus offices strong. And um, we are going to make a difference in dentistry to improve lives. And that's something that I said, I'm, I'm going to retire out of this field eventually. Mm-hmm. And I sure as heck don't want to retire out of here like our, my physician buddies that go, Woo, my field is actually worse than when I came into it. I want to walk out saying, man, we've actually bettered our field. Cool. I love that. Wow. Guys, this was a lot of fun. I feel like we, we need a part two, three, five, and 12 of this. Yes. Um, yes. So I much agree. information, so much knowledge. I just want to, so like, good. can I borrow your brain for a couple of days? Like, I hate the phrase, like, pick your brain. Uh, Isn't that, like, so, like, 2020? Yeah. Pick your brain. 
Yeah. But I'd like to, I'd like to harvest your brain just for a little while and like put it in my, my melon and then use it in the office for just like a week or two. Like we can cryogenically freeze you just so that everything's preserved. And then when we do the swap again, could you imagine having my brain in your head? You'd be like, Oh, cool. Look, <laughs> this thing lights up. <laughs> You're like, why am I craving Starbucks and Driving Instagram down the right street now? And you weird. immediately get distracted by like chickens. You buy a puppy <laughs> really quickly. Like these are all things that would happen if you had a brain too long. Like that would be those would be conversations with yourself. Wouldn't that be exciting? Um, he's right. horrified. He's, he's horrified. Like, what is happening? Like, How did we get no. to this point in our lives? This is God. We're, we're immediately going to message Shannon and be like, "WTF did you do to me? Why am I on this podcast with a couple of crazy girls?" Um, Shannon, no, if you're listening no, this to this, awesome. what's up, girl? What up, girl? What's up, girl? What? Um. AJ, thank you no, so much terrific. for being with us today. I mean, you shared a lot of really inform- inform- informal but informative information. Mm-hmm. And um, for those practice owners or aspiring practice owners that are listening, I feel like, you know, we have these like negative preconceived notions about DSOs, but, you know, there are practices that run like a DSO, but are a sole proprietor. And mm-hmm. the whole concept of the DSO world that I love is systems and organization and expectations. And that is what we all want with our patients. We want positive outcomes that are easily expected. And the DSO world easily provides that. So if you have the opportunity to, create some of these more organized systems in your practice, then, I mean, why not? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. 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 Well, Doc, thank you guys very much. We're not done yet. Oh no. He's you, not done. You, oh, you're, oh, you're no, not done yet. And I don't know if, if Shannon has given you the lowdown of what happened. So we're called the tooth or dare podcast for a reason. At the end of every okay. episode, Katrina so, and I, so nervous. Look at his yeah, face. Katrina like, oh, and I do a visually and virtually impaired version of, of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and then the, the loser goes up against you where you decide to either accept or dish out a tooth or a dare. So while you think about the okay. crisis that you are currently in, he's like oh, this no, very he's big so decision. <laughs> Katrina are going to get oh, ready man. here. Um, yeah. Are you ready? Are you warming up your fingers, Katrina? I am. I am. Yes. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Um, In the meantime, while the rest of you are waiting to figure out what happens here, I encourage you to follow us on Instagram. You can follow me, Irene, at toothlife.irene. You can follow Katrina at the Dental Wine Genesis. And you can follow Dr. AJ Asciano at Dr. A-C-I-E-R-N-O. No spaces, no periods, no no explanations necessary. Nothing Um, needed. And then all of the info is linked below. Ready, girl? Okay, I'm ready. Doc, you're gonna you're gonna count us in. Are you gonna do a rock paper scissors shoot for us? Okay, rock paper scissors shoot. I won. Wow, Irene, I you're a winning streak. This winner. is crazy. My practice has only made one hundred seventy nine thousand dollars in six months. I am a winner. You are. I'm proud of you, Irene. I'm proud okay, of you. Okay, you ready, Katrina and Doc? Uh, Doc, it's <clears> up to you. Are you going to accept or dish a tooth or a dare? Tooth. You're going to accept a tooth? Oh, shiz. Yeah, exactly. Oh, shiznat. Katrina. Oh, it better be good. It better be good. It better be good. That's all I got to say. Oh, it's going to be real good. Um, okay. Full disclosure, you have to share what your biggest mistake was when you first started your practice. Like, 
biggest mistake that you're like, oh no. And you write about it in your diary all the time. And you're like, dear diary, why did I do oh, this? No, Bad choices. No, 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 no. What was your biggest mistake? All right. So let me ask you that. Okay. Wait, I got to ask you this question. Yeah. So my first mistake when I went to the DSO or when I first came out of school and worked for the DSO, when I was in private practice about my own or when I started my DSO, which one? <laughs> Well, now I want both because it sounds like you have stories. Hey, DSO, DSO has got to be the DSO. juiciest. There's yeah, more money involved. I want, I want some, it sounds I want like some an expensive stuff. mistake. I want What's like the a, most expensive yes, mistake. I want you've made. expensive. I want a patient vomiting in a trash can. Yeah, I want no, something we, good. We want, Come on, we give, it, give us the juice. One. What did you the spend most the expensive most mistake. biggest expensive mistake? Uh, an office, that, a million dollar office. I bought an office for a million bucks, and. Um, we found out that the patient base that he had was not really the patient base that he had. Oh no. Oh. So we bought, we bought a practice that was really doing $400,000. No. Oh, how do you inflate by 600 K? That's like, wow. That's like, so, so, <laughs> what? So I will, I will tell you my worst. That's my worst financial mistake, but probably honestly, my best learning experience ever. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, oh my God. That yeah. hurts my stomach. Uh, it hurts my stomach. That's hurt. more than a, that's more than a few pairs of shoes and a couple of Louis Vuitton bags. I read oh like, gosh. that's like, wow. Stop. I can't, I can't, I'm sweating. Wow. I'm sweating right now. I just thinking I about I it. I learned really quick how to do due diligence better after that mistake. Yeah. I need you to teach me how to do that. Yeah. Right. That's, that's something we, we all need. <laughs> part, part Thank two. you for that. All I, right, part, everyone. Yes. Stay tuned for part stay two. Tuned for part two. two. I'm, I'm glad you. you picked, I'm glad you picked tooth by the way, because your dare was going to be to take a photo of yourself in a Packers jersey, which I'm sure you would probably not be very happy with. Oh, wow. No. That would have oh. been tough. Yeah. I'm glad I, I picked know. you. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Have a great day, everyone. Peace out. Peace. Cheers. Thank you, guys. We're back. On the flippity flip, from the flippity flip, from the flippity flip, from the flippity flip. Oh man, it was a great episode. That was a good episode. I, you know what i I learned a lot about the metrics of a practice. Like, mm-hmm. okay, if you have X number of new patients coming in a year, yeah. you should be if you have ample amounts of growth. And you, know, I, I think that was just such a valuable piece. I, oh, yeah, you're palpating your lips. Okay, it's it's, okay. it's migrating. <laughs> I think. It, it is migrating. In the time that we've been on this episode, we should do a time lapse of the video of this episode yeah, and just zoom into my that. lips the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you say on the flippity flip. On the flippity flip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Okay. Well, that Great was episode. the lovely episode. Thank you yeah. so much, Dr. AJ, for hanging out with us. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's that's that going to do it. All right, everyone. Yeah. Um, you guys, send some thoughts and prayers to Irene's lip lippity lips. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is interesting. Okay, have a good day, everyone. Peace out, peeps. Cheers, Doctor AJ. If you need an expert on firing people, do you know who you should talk to? Is Irene? She is amazing. <laughs> she would <laughs> laugh. She's. I do interpretive dance in the background. Yeah. And I talk. And it's, it's kind of amazing. Irene, actually, can you say on the can you say on the flippity flip? On the flippity flip. I can't. I can't. I My lips are so too much. big. I love you.